Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is the Mandela Effect? How many people have paranormal experiences but don't tell anyone about them? Is bilocation really possible? Hello, and welcome to the 651st broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Shane Saraway sitting in for Ben, who will be back in the chair next week. Yes, he uh, returns Wednesday from Movie Land, and uh, he'll have lots of adventures to report, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, today we present an open line show to answer listener questions, and we welcome your phone calls. It's 800 449 1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, 401 766 1240 locally, or email paul at behindtheparanormal.com. So let's dive right in. Now, we have. We're, as usual, awash in questions, and all sorts of um, people have uh, sent us inquiries about various things, but uh, th- there have been a lots of inquiries. There's a lot of interest out there. I've never really seen anything quite like it about the Mandela effect. Now, Mandela refers, of course, to Nelson Mandela, the former president of South Africa, who was a great campaigner for the uh, uh, equality there and uh, the anti-apartheid movement. Uh, he led that apartheid being a very, very strict segregation that, that lasted in South Africa longer. It lasted pretty much anywhere else, and now has been put to bed, and everybody seems to get along there, at least that's what people tell me. And Mandela ended up, uh, from a jail cell, he ended up president of... Uh, South Africa, so quite a career and quite a uh, number of accomplishments. However, people apparently had, were reporting that they had memories of news reports that he had died in prison and that this became uh, coined as the Mandela effect. In other words, false memories uh, or memories of another reality or another world or something like this, you know, and then people thought I'd be interested in it because of our multiverse theories. And on July 14th, I was on uh, Noreen Balovich's show, uh, Paranormal Zone TV. You can see it on the Internet. And uh, we were talking about this, and there was amazing interest in this. Now, Shane, I don't know if you ever ran into these these kinds of things and working on cases, but in a, a psychologist would say, would use the word confabulation. That's a, a term that means you have, uh, as particularly as you get older, believe me, I know, uh, you start having what are supposed to be false memories because the assumption is, and that's, that could very well be true, and certainly is in many cases, but you end up with memories of uh, things that never happened or different memories of things that did happen, uh, such as Mandela dying in prison when he didn't die in prison. Right. And what? Uh, we have a caller on the line. Oh, very good. Okay. It's... Uh Robin, Bell- uh, Robin. Robin, we don't use the last. Uh, Robin, oh, Robin yeah. from Utah. I believe. Robin from Utah. Okay. okay. All right. Well, we'll suspend the Mandela effect, and and maybe we'll have a false memory that we never discussed, and <laughs> and we'll take our call. Robin from Utah. Okay, Robin, are you with us? Okay, we're we're gonna get her. Uh, Robin is a uh, faithful listener. Right and off the bat. Right oh. off the bat, I, I have have an issue. I take issue with something you said. Okay. I remember. Uh, all right. No, go ahead. We, we didn't get the the beginning of what you said. Could you start again, please, Robin? Uh, oh, welcome to the I, show, by I, the way. I, welcome to Owen Twelve Four. Thank you. Uh, are you staying there also? Yes, I am. Yes. How you doing? Because I my still not my my computer comes turns off when you're supposed to come on, so I never know when the introductions are over. Huh. 
okay. we got like 10 minutes? Yes, uh, no, no, go ahead. Okay, I, um, right off the bat, uh, I'm at odds with what you said. Okay. <laughs> well, 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 what in first. particular? Some, something today? Well, I, yes. Okay. Well, you know, in the Mandela effect. Sure. I have my own opinions about bit. what that is. But, okay. Uh, I know exactly where I was, what I was doing when Nelson Mandela died in jail in the 80s. Okay. I was in my, in my, the living room of the house that I shared with my husband, who's the professor. I was a news junkie then because that's when I was writing my romance novel, so I had to have something interesting in the background. And it came on, and I thought, Nelson Mandela, Nelson Mandela, Joseph, or Craig said something. I'll have to ask him when he gets home who that was. And we were both shocked, you know, but it wasn't all that shocking, so I just stepped it away. I wouldn't even have thought about it. And people that I respect started saying, hey, guess what? They're saying Nelson Mandela is alive. No. <laughs> you know, if friends get together, and it, it was just, that's what happened to me, and then, Mm-hmm. You know, oh, no, you and a lot of other now, people. It's a firm... What? No, no, you and a lot of other people had the same memory. And, of course... That's exactly. Yeah, and, and you listen to the show all the time, uh, Robin. You know that uh, the, our our opinion generally is that uh, these uh, these memories may not be false at all. Uh, they, yes. they are They are perhaps parallel realities where he did die in prison. All right, mm-hmm. so... And, and as our... Uh, theory goes, and uh, ours and a number, several physicists as well who believe it this way, uh, w- we have a very literal interpretation of this multiverse idea that everything that could possibly happen, and, and th- this is a good principle in physics for those who accept it, everything right. that could possibly happen does exist out there somewhere, and it's all simultaneous, out there right. being parallel realities, uh, all times, all possibilities. So in many parallel realities, Nelson Mandela did die in prison. Right. However, in, in the particular world family stream that we have... That um, we are in now. We are in now, he did not. He, did, right. he died at a rather ripe old age after having served this country for you know, a lot, a lot of years. So yeah. that's the idea. Yeah. So, um, And I work in a great big building with lots of people, and I, you know, I, don't, I don't come right out and say what happens to me and all of this. But no. to a person, he says, no, he, he doesn't die. He got out of prison. He just barely died. So there's, a, there's like a 2% in the room that's got 500 people in there. Yeah, they didn't die in prison. But uh, so I sort of I joined the Mandela effect on Facebook. Now I think personally that we have social media to thank for an awful lot of this because there are a lot of people who grab onto anything. Oh yes, and yes. Social media, no quality control. People who would never talk to each other say, "I thought that was kind of strange." When usually you say that just to yourself. Okay. That was odd, right? Mm-hmm. Shane, do you have and any uh, thoughts on this subject? Uh, what? You, I was wondering if Shane wanted to uh, join our conversation. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm not too familiar with the Mandela effect, and until um, but in, in general, I mean, yeah, we see this happen, um, like you said, false memory and things like that. Yeah. But the Mandela, mm-hmm. um, the whole thing with Mandela, um, it, it, I had knew, knew nothing about it until your radio show All with right. uh, Noreen. Yeah, so. it, it's a relatively uh, new term. 
In other words, probably right. 10, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have heard people talking well, about the Mandela effect. Well, did you see the video where they showed the, the man from CERN and he was holding up a sign that said Bond 1? Did you see that one? I don't and think so. Oh. underneath of it, it had Mandela. Well, it turns out, this is a guy at Bond, one of the scientists, who's given a big, big thumbs up. And the people that looked into what is Bond 1 found out that the first James Bond's name was Nelson. So they had accomplished what they were trying to do. Hmm. The signal. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, well... Go into the the CERN scientist part. They're really... And they did a really... When they put down uh, the goddess Kali statue up there. You remember that? Yes, yeah. Uh, They also did a really, really peculiar, bizarre satanic ritual that they... It was just... I watched it. I was disturbed. I turned it off. All right. I thought that's not somewhere. Well, I, I think it. I think we'll have to leave that for another time, Robin, because there's another yeah. question from you. Uh, we were going yeah. to, to deal with too. Um, you had written to us. I, I presume this is you, Robin from Utah. How many how many Robins? Uh, <laughs> all right. What is your opinion of the word and beliefs of Professor uh, Hilton? Ho- I've heard it pronounced Hodama or Hotima. Well, right? um, I have books. I had somebody that talked about it. I don't know anything about it. I, okay. I only know that. Well, that he was... Um, that men never die. We never die. Yeah. Well, he he and was a very interesting fellow. Um, his uh, actually his birth name he was born right in our pretty much the edge of our listening area here in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. George Robert Clements was his birth name, and he had a number of names he used as an author, including uh, Hilton uh, Hotima or Hodema, and he um, he believed that in in a natural lifestyle. I mean, he said a lot of things that people believe today. Mm-hmm. Uh, he became a vegetarian, I believe it was, he was like nine years old, and he only ate fruit, which mm-hmm. wasn't hard for him because he worked with his mother, and I guess in a fruit market or something. So I guess, you know. Yeah. So he was a, uh, an advocate of natural living, and he believed that uh, our whole consciousness was adversely affected by radio and, oh, not radio, it couldn't be radio, but radio <laughs> and television. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, and that, uh, you could return to a more primal consciousness by, Eating properly, so it's really okay. not a new idea. Yes. So I, I remember, I remember why now. There was yeah. a fellow that was one of my Facebook friends. So I have no problem with that. I mean, that's my opinion. Diet. He was following this diet, and his friends were worried about him. I mean, he got down to muscle and bone. Uh, I hadn't heard, I hadn't followed it any further, but I got it from him, and everybody was watching it. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. It's an interesting thought. And the guy, what he said about it sounded interesting. So I got a couple of books. Okay. Well, the only uh, disappointment in his career was that he uh, he thought he would live to be 150, which and I think if you died. talk to him, well, he died. Well, he was only 92 when he died. So, But yeah. people, th- there is a certain belief among some medical people mm-hmm. that uh, we are essentially constructed to live about 150 years, you know, barring disease and freight trains and things right. of this kind. Uh-huh. So, okay. All right, well, Robin... Yeah. Uh, well, this guy was taking it all the way just drinking water and sun. Yes. So uh, he would he'd be someone um, uh, to read. You know, I would certainly recommend, uh, if you have the time to look into his work, it's quite interesting and uh, a lot of good uh, good advice in there, I think. So, Robin, uh, we're going to have to move on, but thank you so much for calling, and um, keep sending questions. They're always good questions. Okay, I sure will. Okay. You have a good evening.
Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. Okay. Now we have. Um, let's move on to uh, Peg from Mansfield, Massachusetts, in our listening area too. Uh, in one of your shows, unless you'd like to read it, Ben always reads these. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Shannara from Vermont. Oh, no, we're on Peg. Yeah, we're on Peg. Peg, yeah. sorry about yeah. that. Peg from Mansfield, Mass. In one of your shows on ultra-weird paranormal events, you gave examples of by location. Do you believe in this, and how would it be possible? Have you ever seen it yourself or done it? <laughs> I'd like to do it. I'm so busy. Uh, by location is, of course, being in two places at the same time. And Peg might be referring to some of the shows we've done on on uh, the paranormal lives of the saints, for example. As a matter of fact, there's a whole chapter in our uh, forthcoming book about that, and we mentioned some of this. Also, uh, I think we did a show, too, on uh, on this, and we mentioned several Examples from Europe of uh, I remember one who was a teacher at a, at a at a school in France, and she was in the classroom at the same time her children looked out and they were there she was in the garden too, so they were a little freaked to say the least. But uh, these things do apparently happen. Uh, we've received mail from people who say that. Uh, well, I remember one woman said she walked into her kitchen and there she was herself sitting at the the counter kitchen counter. While she was walking in the door. Wow. Okay. That would make your day, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so the idea is, you know, does this happen and how? Apparently it does happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, have you ever run into that, Shane, at all? I mean, uh, Yeah, I've, I've seen that in, you know, in cases I've done where people have, you know, seen family members that they knew weren't home, but they see them walking up the stairs or into a room or out of a room. And, and um, quite a few times, actually, that's been reported to me. One of the explanations, uh, that the, a sort of classic explanation, is that um, it, it, somebody is, is uh, astral projecting, to use the old term. In other words, and I actually uh, remember an experiment um, that a couple of friends of mine did who were parapsychologists in uh, California. And one said to the other, this is uh, Dr. Keith Ferrari, said, okay, I, I'm going to go to your house, I'm going to go to sleep, and I'm going to uh, try to project myself to your house, okay, which was like uh, the other side of L.A. or something like that. So sure enough, um, my other friend was sitting at his desk, and uh, there's Keith skipping down the hallway, all right, while he was asleep in his own house across town. So th- this does happen. It's well documented in the, the annals of parapsychology, and certainly we have run into it from time to time in our own cases. Yep. And um, the the initial idea, the spiritualist idea, was that the... Uh, your your consciousness or, or your astral body, sort of a spiritual body, will project itself to some other location. And when you have out-of-the-body experiences and all this business, supposedly that's what's happening. But, of course, that's not good enough for us. Right. Uh, what, what we're talking about is the possibility of, uh, again, intersecting parallel physical realities because uh, the astral body idea to us is is kind of, and I don't want to speak for you, but is kind of, um, again, you know, what else could it be? Uh, we can't think of anything else, so therefore it's got to be some kind of spiritual body. I mean, yeah, may, maybe it is. But at least in our experience, and, and I must, uh, to answer Peg's question, uh, I have never bilocated as far as I know. Um, one of me is enough. Uh, some, I, I, know my, I don't know, one of, I was my wife or some, some relative once <laughs> said. 
might have been my mother. And uh, so I, I don't have any personal experience with it, but I, we do receive lots and lots of reports about it. So it is possible. We think that it's um, perhaps intersecting worlds and things of this kind that could be physically explained quite easily from the viewpoint of uh, quantum mechanics, you know, rather than some kind of spiritual thing. And we have another caller? Yes, the, we have Phil from Orange Mass. Okay. Phil from Orange Mass, welcome to Behind the Paranormal on one twelve forty. Hi, Paul. How are you? Better than nothing. How are you? Good. We met uh, at last year's UFO conference, and uh, oh yes, I've been I've been a listener ever since. Mm-hmm. Very good. Glad to I, hear that. I have a bilocation related question. Sure. You're well aware of the theory, uh, which I believe has been proven, of quantum entanglement, which Einstein called spooky action at a distance. Mm-hmm. And so my question is. If bilocation is real, and I don't really have an opinion as to whether it is or it isn't, but if it's real, then does that mean that one living entity um, doing something in his or her space or plane uh, would affect, because of quantum entanglement, the bilocated version of that living entity? If you follow that question. Yes, I, I think I differ from our viewpoint. I think that's absolutely the case. Everything does seem to affect everything else. Quantum entanglement pretty much proves that. And I think our own conscious lives prove that. When you are in a room, and you can be in a dark room, and someone else can be in that room totally silently, and you can tell that someone is there. Uh, th- there is a, I, I know, um, I have a friend who, out in Colorado, who does experiments with horses, and th- she thinks that's how the horse knows that you're approaching, even though you're at a distance and can't be seen behind bushes or something, and uh, hearing as well is good. But uh, your, uh, bu- the bioelectric field around our bodies, w- when, when they touch, even if you're at a distance, uh, not that much of a distance with, in that case, but you can feel the presence of someone else. But even 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 without that, th- th- that requires some sort of physical proximity. But uh, I think there is everything is is connected. Everything is related. And I think I don't think it's it's in in a in a world in which we are educated to be individuals. I think that the uh, the concreteness of the connection is often lost on us. You know, Phil. And I think you and I have talked about this in the past, uh, perhaps yeah. at, at the conference. But I think that um, uh, y- what you stipulate, I think uh, what, what you postulate is true. And um, I don't know, Shane, you have examples, of, I'm sure, of people connected, you know. Well, I mean, I agree exactly with what he brought up and what you just said. Um, so That's it, why we have you on the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I think you said it well. I mean, I'm right there with you. Yeah, it's, it's, and it seems, and again, I think we miss it, and I think that one of the reasons we've forgotten a lot of the uh, realities that our remote ancestors know, knew is that we have, this has been educated out of us. You know, we're islands. We always talk about the island theory, and uh, everything is um, within us, all our memories, all our imaginations, and, and that's not true. I mean, the, the physics of consciousness is showing that these things are non-local. And quantum entanglement is, is a crucial part of that. So, yeah, I Second think... Reason for- the second reason for my question, Paul, is that the quantum entanglement, as I understand it, which is, you know, limited, um, has to do with particles, subatomic particles, whereas with bilocation, we're talking about someone's energy 
going somewhere else. Well, if that's what it is. Well, the, the, but energy is well, not necessarily particles. Well, that's that's debatable. I mean, th- things are, you know, with the, the the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, you know, sometimes it's it's yeah. a wave, sometimes it's a particle, this sort of thing. One of the issues uh, that is is core to any discussion of quantum mechanics and its relationship to us is uh, the the debate about what effect, if any, the um, subatomic level has on, if you want to call it the macroscopic level. In other words, mm-hmm. if we have uh, the subatomic level where particles can, you know, be affect each other at fantastic distances without actually communicating, uh, can move at, inc- you can't even call it speed, it's like moving without moving, um, yeah. tremendous distances without traversing the space in between, and these things are real. These are among the things being studied at at the uh, Large Hadron Collider in, in uh, France and Switzerland. And you have issues with um, uh, effects taking place before what caused them, uh, time meaning nothing, all at the subatomic level. Where it seems like sheer fantasy reigns there. And uh, personally, I mean, having seen what we see in the paranormal, I don't see how it cannot that cannot be translated to the, the level of people and trees and houses mm-hmm. and et cetera and stars et cetera et cetera. I mean, it's all. I don't think you can divorce one from the other, which is um, which is an argument that that we use when people say, well, you can't apply those principles to the macroscopic level. So that, but that's us. I mean, this is. I can't think of any other better any better explanation for paranormal events than the things we've been talking about. You know, those sorts of things translated to the uh, the level of that we're, that we're used to our, our day-to-day lives. I don't see how it can. Or bilocated energy that's sort of trapped in the woods, and you hear people speaking Algonquin or something. Yeah. Um, and so, why is that energy still there? Uh, where did it come from? Well, we know where it came from. We don't know why it's trapped, but well, that, that's that's the going theory. Uh, that's residual hauntings. Shane, why don't you tell us about? That? Yeah, I don't. I don't like the term residual hauntings. But um, actually, Phil, I, I dealt with a case, kind of just what you're talking about in Orange, Massachusetts, where a family had called me. They actually fled their home in Orange and moved to my town in New, New Hampshire, and um, they were. That's what kicked it all off. Was they were seeing Native Americans on their property. And, oh, wow. yeah, and they would see him climbing trees. They would see him running through the, through the brush and around other homes. And, um, what happened was the, the, the man of the house kind of got obsessed with it and he started just always like, he was investigating it. He was always, um, just his, it consumed his internal dialogue. And, and, um, so what happened then was because he was so obsessed with this activity that was going on, um, it ended up attracting a parasite and their house was just turned upside down. I mean, their, their four year old boy was being pulled out of bed by his ankles, leaving bruises. Um, you know, just their house, there was things flying across the room. The ceiling van would just start flying. Um, and it all started with just witnessing, you know, these Native Americans doing their thing and their, their place and time, um, that they were able to, to witness, you know, where the, where these, uh, intersects, you know. And, but yeah, right, right in your town, this happened. Did, did the neighbors see the Native Americans? Yes, there, there are several, um, it, it's, um, it happened. In, I won't say exactly where, but it happened um, in a trailer park, and mm-hmm. there are several trailers in this this park that are um, experiencing paranormal activity. 
um, or so, you know, and they see the natives. They're actually, they, they were even finding arrowheads and stuff like that, which led, to, you know, which furthered this guy's obsession with the whole subject matter. Um, so, but yeah, there, there was several families, but this family was affected the most because the, the guy at the house was so, became so obsessed with it. And, and that's what draws in and attracts these parasites. And they pull one of those in. So, um, I, they had, Many, you know, famous people go into the house, demonologists, and try to get rid of it, and it didn't work. So finally they left, and I, I went down there and um, put a treatment in place, and, and it worked. And so the house is fine now. One of the issues, I think, that, uh, that, that at least that I believe, and I was an early advocate of that residual haunting theory in the early 70s, uh, but I don't believe it anymore because I've, I've gone in and changed Things right. that were supposed to be recordings on the environment, and simply by interacting with them. So I do not recommend. Neither Shane nor I recommend doing that. However, I think that what, and I came to the conclusion that what, at least in my opinion, what we're dealing with is the the actual people and the actual event from what to us is the past, but a simultaneous um, intersect with something that that we're doing. Uh, when you see that, now the question arises, and uh, Phil, I don't know if you you had thought about this much, but if um, we're when you have interaction taking place, it's one thing you're walking down the street and you see a, a, a trolley car from the 1910 go by and it's transparent or something like that. You know, uh, the, the question is, do they see you? And I think many times they do, and, and I've seen them when they're afraid because they think you're a ghost because they're seeing through a membrane or a B-R-A-N-E as a, as a brain, as a physicist might say, uh, world boundary as we might call it. And, uh, but, you know, again, anything is possible with these things. But, but that's, that's my opinion. I think you're seeing the actual physical people. And uh, it, sometimes they see. Sometimes they're in uh, a, a world where the laws of physics are such that they, they understand what you are too, if they see you at all. So there are all kinds of possibilities, all all of which we've talked about on many shows. Well, that's and actually, yet, if you encounter an Indian campfire in the woods, you will not smell the smoke. You'll see it, but. I- my understanding is you wouldn't feel the heat or smell the smoke. Well, that would That's depend on different. how much the uh, how much you're in that world, uh, how, much, how much the overwash, as it were, is part of you. In other words, th- these when I've dealt with parasites, the more physical they are, and I've actually had physical entanglement, non-quantum entanglements with these things, uh, physical confrontations with them, uh, very rarely, but sometimes, and they are the the more they're in our world family because that's how at least in the case of parasites or what folklore refers to as demons uh these are are perfectly physical creatures in my opinion who uh live between worlds and and they eat by reaching from one world into another because again life is infinitely varied i think god loves variety and uh, life is everywhere every when and even between worlds that's the way I see it anyway. All right, I think that's a uh, good point to leave off for our break. Oh, very good, Josh. Right, yes, our, our producer, a man of great wisdom, has uh, pointed out we have to take <laughs> our you. break. Well, Phil, thank, thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very, very thank much. You, All right, you're listening take to be- Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno today with Shane Searway, sitting in for Ben and uh, on ON 1240 here in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Everything you know is wrong. 
Hi, I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. Check out our show, Behind the Paranormal, with Paul and Ben Eno, here on ON 1240, on Sundays on our new slot at 12 noon. The paranormal is not what you think it is. We're going to examine it from a whole new perspective, and you will be very surprised. Do not check your brain at the door. You're going to need it. Be there. And welcome back to the show. We have a number of charities Ben and I have adopted. Uh, we will tell you about those during the announcement period at the end of the show. In the meantime, uh, we're on a roll here. Let's get back to uh, our communications from listeners. Uh, here is, uh, now, here's one getting back to the Mandela effect. As I say, that, that's uh, created a lot of uh, energetic discussion on the show here. Uh, this is from Paula in Massachusetts, and Paula writes... Uh, Love your show. I think it is possible that this Mandela memory is people being confused between Mandela and Steve Biko. I don't know who that is. I am pretty sure there was a movie made about Biko a while ago called Call Freedom. Oh, yes, another South African uh, uh, hero, I believe, yeah. Um, well, that's very possible, Paula. Uh, part of the notion of, of the, the false memories is that you've... You know, we are so bombarded with information. I mean, I've heard a statistic, which is kind of hard to believe, but that people today receive more, the average person today who is connected to the Internet receives more information in one day than our ancestors received in in a whole lifetime. And that's not hard to believe. So it's possible that we we receive information, you know, we can't process it as quickly, at least uh, a lot of people can't, and uh, it's very possible that that's where some of these false memories may come from. But but what's really strange to me, Paula, is when there are, there's even physical evidence for it, where a number of people um, had the same memories of the same things, and and they had like photographs of things, and and all of a sudden they're different. So that doesn't happen often, but it sometimes happens. Um, I, I have have I have a coin from a country that never existed, and it's been gone now for about five years. It comes and goes, and I'm going to grab it <laughs> next time. And I find it in different places, but it uh, it came down from my uncle, who was in the navy during World War II, and uh, he picked it up someplace. And uh, well, I've looked it up every which where. It's uh, the Helvetic Federation. Which now, now now Helvetia was was the Roman name for Switzerland, and there was a Swiss Federation, the Swiss Confederation, when it first started uh, Switzerland. And and uh, but the, the 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 words in on the coin are in English, which is not because in, in Switzerland they they speak uh, well today French and, and uh, uh, German, pretty much. And uh, anyway, I'll grab it and I'll. I'll really document it well, which I probably should have done anyway. So there are things that happen that are beyond um, the, the, these sorts of, of confabulatory uh, speculations that, that do occur, although I think many of them are confabulation. But who really knows? It, it's an interesting phenomenon. And again, it, it may be, and I invite Shane's thoughts on this, it may be that because we are all so connected, we do share memories that that, that may not even be well, well, they're real in some world somewhere, but I mean, uh, maybe that's that's the thing. We're all connected, not just through the internet, but but in concrete ways. So any of these things could be explanations. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, for me, <laughs> I'm going to speak for myself. I confuse my dreams for reality all the time. Like I can't tell the difference between the two. So it could be some you of think that. You were too. my age. Yeah, <laughs> you know. but but um, you know, some of the some of this uh, stuff could be a product of that as well. You know. Sure. Sure. Um, but 
No, I do too. And some some of my and Ben and I discuss this a lot because we share dreams sometimes. You know, he'll he'll start it and I'll finish it. And I, the, this whole good world thing, which I don't want to get into now because we don't have time, is is uh, w- one of the th- ways we started talking about that was because we would dream about it, and the, the, it was vivid, mm-hmm. absolutely vivid. And because I had a very strange broken sleep schedule mm-hmm. left over from when I was a, a Metro Daily News newspaper editor, um, I would remember a lot of dreams, and I would remember whole lives in these worlds. Uh, and again, th- th- this could be f- certainly false, obviously, or it could be a multiverse thing, or maybe both. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And uh, so these things um, uh, certainly are, are fodder for much more discussion. Uh, before we leave the subject of the Mandela effect, I had suggested to Noreen Balovich on her show on, on July 14th that uh, it would be better called the Mandala effect. Now, if anybody's ever seen a Mandala, it is, it is a beautiful form of Asian art, particularly Tibetan Buddhists use it. And uh, it takes a long time to put it together. But, but again, uh, many people interpret it as a, a vision of the universe or the multiverse. All different possibilities going out, and uh, I, I thought that that might be a more uh, appropriate name for that. However, dear old Nelson Mandela will stick with that because that's what people use. Okay, I'm scheduled to be on her show too. I didn't tell you. Oh no, you didn't tell me. Oh no, it's yeah. great. Yeah, in, in November. Yep. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, I've been uh, after her to have you on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I Unfortunately, her. it's uh, it's a it's an in- internet uh, television show. Right. And uh, there have been she has three four hundred thousand listeners. Or viewers. Wow. And uh, it's always a jarring experience for people to, I think, to see me uh, on there because, you know, you, you do it by Skype and the video. And right. um, I, don't, I don't like to look at myself on TV. <laughs> I don't know, it's a bizarre character. Okay, so let's move on. Let, let's, uh, we've got uh, Shannara from Vermont. All right. The low men are not people at all. Do you think he meant that literally? All right. Now, I'd I better take it from there because it's all... There was a lot of back and forth. This is from Facebook. A lot of back and forth on Facebook about this. This refers to if anybody and people are invited to friend me on Facebook. I'm very particular that you're not a shark or something, but I, you know usually <laughs> I can tell. And um, I had a uh, cover photo that had a quote from a little boy, a uh, five-year-old boy uh, named Peter from Connecticut who was dying of leukemia, and he told me all these incredible things. This is in 1991, and one of the things he said uh, was the uh, the uh, there are there are high men and low men. The high men take the the high men give the, the low low men take the low men are not people at all. Because I wrote it down when he said it, and that's exactly what he said. And uh, it took a while to f- f- plumb the depths of the wisdom of this child because he it was amazing. I don't know if you've ever dealt with uh, children who are, are terminally ill. But we think of children as little ego machines, you know, I want this, I want that. But when they're terminally ill, they become, at least the ones I've seen, have become other-centered. They're incredible. Yeah. They're like giants. This this little boy had the soul of a lion. I can see his face because his parents invited me down to his house in Connecticut, not because everything was weird, but because it was so beautiful what was going on. And he was having long conversations with his grandfather who had died 10 years before he was born. So that's what... Um, that, that's the background of this. So I put that on Facebook just uh, as a, a bit of an uplifting quote or a strange quote. And uh, people, many people wrote in about this. And I explained who, uh, who the boy was. And the question is, what does he mean by high men or high people or low people? And he indicated to me, the, the strong impression that I got was that these are two entirely different species of human beings. That they don't even have the same souls and now that that got some people going 
Uh, now, Tracy, I don't remember where Tracy's from, but I wonder if the low people eventually turn into the high people or if they are forever stuck living lives of selfishness. Okay? Uh, Shannara uh, returned that, um, re- replied to that interesting theory. Years ago, I read another theory, namely that there may be people walking the earth right now that have no souls. What's interesting is the number of sociopaths in society. And uh, Shannara continued to explain. But that raises the question, what is the soul? It's a word you hear all the time, particularly in, in, in religious context. What does it mean? Uh, if you look at the, uh, the ancient Greek and Latin roots of the word, uh, you get to the word animus, which is the, the essence. Uh, it could interpret it as the spirit or the life. But really, it's sort of the life essence of someone or something. What do you think the soul is, Shane? Exactly that. Um, I love this guy. He always agrees with me. Yeah. <laughs> Not always. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, but this reminds me, this topic, it reminds me of um, there's this people out there that, that believe in um, something similar to this, and, and they refer to God as source type of thing, and there's different levels of um, of our souls and, and stuff like that. That's yeah. how they, they, yeah. they go after it. But they, they believe that. You know, you're born again and again and again, and each time, you know, you you go back up to source, and you know, when you pass and you come back down, and then, it, and it's it's to do different deeds and to grow spiritually more and more and more, and then you go when you're done here doing that, you go back up, and I think they're a little off my my personal opinion, but it kind of reminds me of of that, like yeah. Um, but I think you know when we talk about the multiverse and and parallels in uh, lives and stuff and and um you know us our our souls or whatever um we learn through different existence through different lives of our own you know yeah, yeah. and so i think it's kind of more that rather than we go back up to source come back down and you know be born again over and yeah. over and over again but it, it kind of this reminded me of that topic because a lot of people follow that, that yeah way. i hear you shane uh one of the things i've if we're talking about reincarnation one of the things i've always found rather depressing about that is that you have to do everything all over again uh if that's true now Reincarnation in the classic sense of past lives, future lives, uh, it's, it can't be true in that sense, uh, at least from the viewpoint of physics, because everything's simultaneous. Right. You don't have a past in any objective sense. Uh, our linear progression from past to future is uh, really more of a function of our consciousness, and, and that is what uh, science pretty much agrees on now, to a point. It depends on the science, because the scientists don't talk to each other from one very often, not always, but very often from one field to another. So I think that uh, when we're dealing with any kind of multiversal thing, uh, many of our, our um, memories and, and perhaps the soul uh, may be what I might refer to as the nexus or the core consciousness. Okay, now this is getting kind of weird here because this is what the show is about. The, uh, we, we talked last Open Line show about the, the, something that, that I call the flashing nexus which is uh, reports, uh, not common, but reports we sometimes get from people that they've been on an operating table or they've been, or just going about their day, and all of a sudden, they're someone else. They're the guy passing in the street, uh, they were the doctor, then they were a nurse, gender makes no difference, but ju- just for a moment. And this, the, hence the, the idea of the flashing. And the nexus, I think our core consciousness within the multiverse may be our mass subconscious, where we are each other and we are all these people all these lives we're living and and uh, by extension all 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 of us together and it's rather a, a, a mind-wrenching concept 
So I think that when we're talking about the soul, it, it, it could, and again, words are very difficult. Uh, yeah. You know, we have different concepts. We speak from one framework, somebody hears out of another framework, and we're using the same word. Uh, it's very difficult to even talk about this stuff. But the core experience of humans seems to be this soul or nexus or whatever, and um, but which brings us back to what are the difference between the high people and the low people. I think the low people are the ones who are more connected in their nexuses, what <laughs> nexi, whatever the, uh, to negative lives they're living because we're all it's all rather an elegant balance. And those who are high people are, are far more connected with where they are. More, if you want to use the old term, enlightened or whatever. I think that that that, that may be a way of approaching some sort of understanding of that subject. I think it may be. Uh, what we're connected to. And can low people become high people? I suppose they can. I've never made any particular study of it. But I, I just, when, when that boy told me th- those terms, it just really struck me. I think and, they can. You know, if, if um, you know, if, if you learn as you go, you know, and, and you have to be able to adapt and, and learn and, and, and grow spiritually yeah. um, and become more positive. But I guess we know some people will never do that. Yeah, know? well, it all depends on, on us. Again, it's, it's our own personal responsibility. Exactly. You know, and um, now here we are, and I, I, I responded to one of these. Uh, people can change. This is all give, the give and take on Facebook on this question, and that's one of the most hopeful uh, thoughts I can think of. Sociopaths have always been the scariest people. Sociopaths are people who have no conscience, no remorse. Uh, gee, when do we ever see that lately? You know, <laughs> these terrible things that are happening in the world. Uh, and that they certainly fit Peter's definition of low. Uh, Shadara responds, and they're like that from birth. It's not curable. So Shadara's pretty sure that this, this uh, low people can't become high people. I guess I'm leaning a little more to the mystical than you, so people with no soul or p- n- not people at all, as Peter said, uh, seems just about right to me. So we, we could go on with this, and, and I'm sure we'll, it'll come up again. But uh, thank you thank you again. It's, it's always great to see back-and-forth discussion on these ideas from all the intelligent people uh, who listen to our show. That, that's really great. Okay, so um, we have another one here. This is from Chandra in Chicago. And Chandra writes, uh, okay, yeah. Says Paul, why do you, why do people keep their paranormal experiences to themselves? I think so many do. If that's true, how can we possibly know the real statistics about paranormal experiences? Well, that's a good practical question. What do you think? Yeah, it's a great question. So, um, I think, you know, I mean, well, so many people are afraid to be labeled and, and stuff like that. Um, and, um, I, I think that's the only time people would keep it to themselves. And, um, and, I mean, what do you think? That's what I see. I mean, I, I don't... Well, well, uh, yeah, well, not naturally. But I think it's a deeper question than, than just people wanting to avoid ridicule. Yeah. Uh, obviously, one of the first questions you and I get in our respective cases, and we're starting to work on more together, is do you think we're crazy? Not us, but the people who are we're trying to assist. Right. And because, you know, th- these are things, uh, especially professional people, uh, they're often the most frightened, I find out. You know, people walk up to you after a lecture, and, you know, like they're a doctor or a nurse or some sort of really, um, you know, lawyer or something. And said, you know, I, I live in a different world from this. I, I've never thought about this. I don't really believe it. 
but then this happened in my house, and now it's giving me no peace, and I, I you know, and they're really shaken up. That's what the, the doctor that I helped. It, you, you nail it too, from my experience, because there was a doctor that I helped, and he was a real, um, you know, top end doctor in Boston, and um, he was experiencing, you know, not only bad migraines and he- headaches, but waking up seeing blurred, uh, you know, figures b- by his bed. Usually like a grayish hue or a greenish hue at his bed. And, and, um, he really was convinced it was some kind of being. And, uh, it, it took him a long time, like two years to finally call somebody. He, he thought it was, he tried to rationalize it and say, you know, well, it's, it's cause of the, uh, there's something wrong with me, you know, type of thing. And, um, but he was convinced that these, that, that these things by his bed were actually beings. Um, but he went to the doc- other doctor, specialist, and had CAT scans done of his head and t- to figure out why he was having these these headaches. And um, but he he you know he he just kept this to himself. And then finally, um, because he was seeing these figures at his at his bed so often, he he finally reached out to me. And turns out it was an effect from a high electromagnetic field that was by his bed. Something that yeah, was I remember given. that. Yeah, and um, it was causing him to see these hues, these you know, these greenish and gray hues um, at night. So, um, but yeah, but back to the question was, you know, he just being professional, you know, didn't want to oh, admit yeah. that one, he didn't know what was going on, you know, and uh, and then two, just you know, didn't want to uh, admit, you know, that there was something strange going on, which there actually wasn't. It was explainable. But. Oh, sure, sure. Well, <laughs> so. I remember back in the 80s, there, there was there was an entire school committee or, or school board in New England. Usually it's a school committee, but school board, same thing, uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, and the, the uh, chairman of the school committee called and said, you know, and, and I had, I had to, to lead him to the point. And they had a, a school where they're having a lot of problems. And of course, th- this can be fraught with peril because you know you, you talk about a haunted school, and th- this gets carried on and embellished for generations of students. You know, the kid buried in the wall at the end of the hall. I mean, that's not what this was about. Right. But you know how it is. We've all been kids and in schools, and you know you, you, all this crazy stuff gets started. They swore me to secrecy. I had to go up and meet with the school superintendent. And what a production! You mm-hmm. know, and uh, th- they said I could never. I had to sign a paper saying I would never. It's 30 years ago now. I would never say what town this was or what school. Uh, and if I wrote about it, I'd have to obfuscate on where it was, which I have, I have written about it in Footsteps in the Attic. But uh, in any case, uh, these, these are things that um, uh, yeah, we, we don't know. But as you said, to get back to the question, people are so nervous about this stuff sometimes, they don't report when things happen. So in other words, we may say, well... We can only base our statistics on what people report. So we'll say, you know, uh, 10% of the population, say, of, of New England or the United States or North America has had poltergeist experiences. But it might be 60% because people don't say it. Right. Now, the poltergeist, that's hard to hide sometimes. But sometimes, you know, they, they run out and poltergeist, I think anyway, is a parasite thing. Uh, but I mean, or, or I've had experiences with, this, say, the shadow people phenomenon, something we've done shows on, or UFO sightings. Uh, if people don't report it, 
then it can't be included in the statistics. Right. So, so. I can see what Chandra's saying here. We really don't know yep, what possible. the percentage of people who have had <laughs> some kind of paranormal experience. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever nail that down. Well, you know, it's funny, and I know, I'm sure the same thing has happened to you. When you talk, you know, you get talking to somebody and they find out you're involved in, especially you, you drive around in that SUV with uh, <laughs> TrueGhost.com on it. Yeah. And I remember driving to Pennsylvania with you for that case. And people on the highway are, are, are coming up and they're looking and waving. And I remember the guy had a this is anything. I love Pennsylvania, but this was unusual. We're on the highway. Were we in Pennsylvania or New York? I don't know. No, I think we were in Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. And the guy had a skeleton on <laughs> in the passenger seat, and the skeleton's waving to us. And okay, yeah. so uh, that was an experience. I'll drive next time. Yeah. There's nothing written <laughs> on my truck. Oh yeah, so, everywhere, everywhere I go. Everywhere, everybody's got their stories. Yeah. Everybody's oh yeah, I, I, I stop to get gas. Any gas station I go to, almost every single time, I end up giving the mini lecture because I. Yeah, get, I saw. I, I witnessed that. Oh yeah. On the way back from Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. I get. I just get surrounded by people. I can go into a convenience store and before you know, is that your truck in there? And before yeah. I know it, there's there's like twelve to twenty pa- patrons around me, and I'm giving like little lectures and answering questions. Which I love, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, and, and uh, this is Rhode Island, which is only 48 miles long and 37 miles wide. We all know each other, right? right. <laughs> so I knew some people from the, uh, uh, somebody at the Registry of Motor Vehicles uh, or the Motor Vehicle Department. And uh, this is many years ago. She called me and said, hey, you know, we have, we have uh, the license plate ghost available. And I said, nothing doing. That's the last thing I want. That, that would happen. What happens to you? People would be all over me. Yeah. I said, no thanks. You know, I like to kind of stay behind the scenes. Here I am on the radio, right? But uh, anyway, so, so uh, I think that um, we don't know really what is, is happening with a lot of these uh, statistics because people simply don't report it. Would you encourage people to report things to people uh, People like us? There aren't an awful lot of people like us. Right. I mean, they're just, there are an awful lot of people out there who claim to be experts the media believes them puts them in the paper and everybody says aha and of course they go and make a pig's breakfast out of every case they touch see i would love if people would report it we could kind of keep a running log and we we can we can i bet you we would end up being able to identify more of the um these intersects you know the flap areas that we talk about well that's it yeah and uh, but the other thing is um you know, you get some people that would focus too hard on it and get themselves in trouble because, as you know, giving this stuff too too much attention can get the wrong exactly. people in trouble. Yeah. And um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I would love that if we could just get all those reports together. Sure. Um, well, the thing is, like, if people are going to report it, you kind of need that one group of reputable people to actually report things to, which I think is part of the issue. There's not like the big enough group. Of people that, because from what I've heard, you've both run into people, run into people who go into a situation and then make it worse. Right. So Th- that's in the the sort of the ghost research or poltergeist situation, that that kind of thing, parasite situation. However, I think the exception may be in the UFO community. I was going to say MUFON, the way MUFON. Well, uh, well, it, even uh, well, MUFON is good, but I'm thinking more particularly of the uh, Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Experiences, Free. Okay, uh, Ray yeah. Hernandez's group, uh, astronaut uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell was involved in that. He passed away recently, but uh, there are a number of people who are open-minded PhDs and uh, doctors and 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 people like Kathy Marden. 
the uh, good friend of ours who was uh, MUFON's director of uh, research into abduction experiences. And I think that might be the exception. If you've had abduction experiences, I would definitely suggest contacting free, uh, and you, or, or we, we can put people in touch with that if people believe that they're having these experiences. Yeah. Uh, very, very feet-on-the-ground people. They know everything about the subject that there is to know, that we can know, and uh, that, I think, is the exception. If you're having a ghost problem, it's a problem because you know most people out there have no idea what they're talking about, in our opinion, anyway, no. with, with some exceptions. Yeah, with some exceptions. So I think if, if people are having experiences, want to report them, report them to us. You know, we're very discreet, and you know, we'll put you in touch with the right people if we can't help you ourselves. I would say that. And again, Paul at behindtheparanormal.com. Now that being said, Shane, tell us about uh, your yourself, your, where people can find out more about you, and the TrueGhost.com site. Uh, yeah, my website, yeah, like Paul said, TrueGhost.com. Um, I've been doing this work helping people for about thirty years now. And I specialize in the nasty haunts. I, I do it all. I investigate it all. But I, I specialize in the parasitic entities and getting rid of them. Um, and I'm fortunate and humble enough to have a 100% success rate. So if you do have a nasty haunt that you need to be rid of, um, please give me a, a call. And uh, my, my contact information is listed at my on my site, trugos.com. And my phone number is 603-913-4790. And we didn't get... The rolling bas- the basketball, the rolls around the house by itself. No, that was a great question. Okay. Well, we do at least once a month these open line shows, and I'll make a point to do that next to Shame, remind me. I'll, I'll get that email dug out again. Okay. All right. So let's um, go to our announcements. And uh, join us in Exeter, New Hampshire in less than a month, Saturday and Sunday, September 3rd and 4th, for the Exeter UFO Festival. It's a really, really fun annual event sponsored by the Exeter Kiwanis Club to benefit local children's charities. And the whole town, merchants, restaurants, everybody gets into the act. It's just a blast. Uh, along with ourselves, uh, well, Ben and I, I guess you're not speaking yet. I'm going to get you into that lineup one of these years. Yeah, okay. <laughs> be happy to. Uh, we have Richard Dolan, Kathleen Marden, Denise Stoner, Larry Holcomb. Uh, Stephen Matherlees, Robert, uh, I guess Larry can't make it, but Robin, Peter Robbins and Ryan Mullahay, uh, and we'll, we will present a new talk on more strange connections, UFOs, cryptids, and ghosts. And on Sunday in our usual slot here on ON 1240, uh, we will broadcast live from the Exeter Town Hall with uh, all the event speakers and a live audience. That will be a first for our show. If you can't make it to the event, listen in on that date, noon to 1, here on ON 1240 or the simple radio app by Streamer. Friday and Saturday, October 7th and 8th, Paul and Ben will be back at the Greater New England UFO Conference at City Hall in Lemonster, Massachusetts. Then on Sunday, October 16th, join us at Roger Williams Park in Providence, Rhode Island for the Taken Steps for Crohn's and Colitis Charity Walk. Paul and Ben will broadcast live from the event at noon. I'll be there along with author William J. Hall and who knows who else. To join us and the rest of the team behind the paranormal or to just donate, see the link at behindtheparanormal.com. The walk is two to three miles and begins at 10 a.m. There will be more information here on 1240, um, on ON1240, I'm sorry, as the date approaches. If you donate $15 or more via our team page and walk with us on the 16th, you will get a free Behind the Paranormal ON1240 Taking Steps for Crohn's and Colitis t-shirt to mark the occasion. There you go. Okay. Uh, we, As you can see, October is going to be busy. Tuesday, October 18th, uh, I'll be the speaker at the monthly MUFON event in the Philadelphia area. That will be at 6.30 p.m. at the Treterfin Public Library, Upper Gulf Road, Wayne, Pennsylvania. Visit MainlineMUFON.com for details. 
Meanwhile, find out more about <clears throat> our show, our public appearances, and more uh, at BehindTheParanormal.com, where you'll find nearly 700 free recorded shows from both our 1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. The forthcoming book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, by Paul and Benny, and it was now available for pre-order on the publisher's website, shifferbooks.com. Just search for Behind the Paranormal or use the link on the BehindTheParanormal.com. It's also available for pre-order on Amazon.com. The book is slated for release by Shipper Books in January. There will be a release party of some kind, probably here in our listening area, and Paul and Ben will let you know about that. Okay. Uh, next Sunday, August 14th, we'll welcome back Emmy Award-winning science journalist Linda Moulton Howe for an update on uh, the latest in high strangeness, including ultra-bizarre crop circles, weird sounds from the sky, and something called the Universe Bounce Back. So as we watch the uh, Summer Olympics unfold in Brazil, we leave you this afternoon with an apt thought from retired American figure skater Scott Hamilton. The only disability in life is a bad attitude. We'll see how the figure skaters do, because that's Winter Olympics, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, whatever, Olympics are Olympics, right? <laughs> anyway. That's a good, good quote, though. Wicked good. Yeah. I like that. So I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Shane Serway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time. Have a good week. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.